I'm talking about uh, revival, but it's the great return. Mm, the great return. And I looked up this word return. This is in the Hebrew. It's um, hupostrepho. It means to turn back, to return again, to turn back again. How many of you know there's been a falling away from the faith in these last days? Amen. And when COVID arrived, I tell you that he tried to use it to destroy the faith of many people in the church. He did. He tried to use that to destroy us. But so let's look at First Timothy 4, verse 1. You're going to have a lot of scriptures to, to write down. And I'm telling you, we, we've got to go back and read the word and see. It's not be like the, uh, the Bereans that said that they were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures daily. To see whether those things were so. Amen. So in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. This is what the Bible says. Now the spirit expressly says. That in the later times. Latter times. Some will depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. And doctrines of demons. Speaking lies. In hypocrisy. Having their own conscience. Seared with a hot iron. So how I many you know. We are in the latter days. And it said, some will depart from the faith. But look what they were doing. They were listening to deceiving spirits. They were listening to the devil. They were listening to doctrines of demons. And so, I mean, you can hear that on the television all the time. How many of y'all know that? Lies. Uh, all the time. People that don't know. People that don't know God. If you listen to them, that stuff will rub off on you. I mean, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But how many of you know we're not going to hear those lies? We're going to hear the truth. Amen. We're going to hear the truth that makes us free. And so people listen to those lies and they believe them. And so then they don't know what the real truth is. But how many of you know we know the truth? God's word is the truth. Amen. So that's what we're going to listen to. But see, God is saying something too. God is saying, return to me. That's what he's telling people that have left the faith. He's saying, return to me. Amen. Now look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Lest we drift away. In some versions it says lest we slip. We've got to give the more earnest heed. In other words we've got to pay more attention. We've got to pay more attention so that we can obey. Amen. I mean what's the point if we're not going to obey. What's the point in hearing it. We've got to pay more attention to what we hear. Or else guess what. We will drift away also. We're subject to drift away. If we don't hear, if we don't obey what the word of God tells us. And so look at the, this is what the message Bible says. It says it like this. It is crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so we don't drift off. We've got to hold tight to the word of God. We've got to cling to it. Amen. We've got to cling to it until we understand it. Because how many times, sometimes you hear the word and you don't understand what you hear. 
But we don't want to just keep going. We, how many of you know we want to understand? Say, I want to understand. I want to understand. Amen? Because there is a spirit of understanding. There is a spirit of understanding. And see, that's what happened to the sower that went to sow. There were four kinds of soil. And they heard the word, the seed was sown. But how many of you know only one out of four produced fruit? Only one out of four, 25%. 75% the word fell. about it but they weren't so we've got to hear and understand so we can know what to do we've got to hear and understand so when you hear the word don't just hear it and go out and go home and forget about it So we need to go home and search those scriptures and get that word and make sure we understand what's happening. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Or else we are subject to drift away also. So how many of you know Satan did his best to try to destroy the church during the pandemic? But he failed. How many of you are glad he failed? He failed. He failed. (laughs) Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail. Against the church. The true church. We're not talking about people just go to church. Or hear the church. Hear about the church on television. But. How many of you know the strength of the church. is not even in its numbers. It's in our obedience to what Jesus said. That's the strength of our church. Of Jesus church. The strength is their obedience to him. Amen. Because you know even Jesus said. He said if you love me. Keep my commandments. He said, the one who loves me are the ones who obey my word. And then he goes on further and says, the, one who, who, the ones that do not love me do not obey my word. So we've got to make sure that we're being obedient. Amen? So, so anyway, so you might say this. Say, well, I have not strayed away from the word. I have not strayed away f- from God. You know, I'm still here. But I'm telling you, we, we still have to ask God to, to search our hearts. To search our hearts to see where we are. Because, you know, the Bible says the heart is deceitful. He says it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So we have to ask God to search our hearts. And help us to see our hearts, to see really where we are. Because sometimes we can't see ourselves. How many of you ever been in a place you couldn't see yourself? And you didn't realize it. And then you, 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 you got in bed and the Holy Spirit began to convict you. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. Oh, why did you do that? So that's why we have to ask the Holy Spirit. To help us to see where we are. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so we, don't, we do not want to be like the Pharisee. That's in uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Okay, this is what it says. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. How many of y'all know this? See, <laughs> that's a lot of pride. And so what is he doing? He is comparing himself with that other person. Well, at least I don't sin as much as he does. You know, I, I fast and I tithe. See, comparing yourselves, then it's not wise. The Bible says it's not wise to do that. Amen. And that is so much pride. But then look what the tax collector said. Verse 13 says, And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now that's humility. So, we may think we're okay, and we, and we may not be okay. So that's why we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us who we really are. Amen? Who we really are. And so we need to see, and have I let anything slip? Have I drifted away? From the word of God. Have I drifted away any? Alright here's a, one of the greatest problems in the church. I hate to say this. A lack of humility. A lack of humility. So you know we don't like to be corrected. Then sometimes we have unteachable spirits. You know we may say. Well I mean I've been doing this forever. See. But see, the thing is, we're supposed to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to our authorities. Amen? You submit to your authorities as unto the Lord. Amen? You know, I, I used to tell Chris, when Chris was moving, moving up in, the, uh, in his church, and uh, one time he had a supervisor or a minister, well, wasn't too spiritual, you know, and all. And he was, Chris was kind of complaining, you know, and I said, Chris... Who called you? God called you. But you have to submit to authority. Mom, every time he throws me under the bus. I say, well, get from under the bus and submit to authority. (laughs) Submit to your authority as unto the Lord. Okay, if he's telling you to do something not sin. That's what I tell my kids, the kids at school. I say, if it's not sin that they're telling you, you have to do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so the question I have to ask you first is, are you a humble person? Okay, it's just something to think about. Are you a humble person? So, you know, when I was studying these scriptures and all this, been, uh, some weeks back, you know, and I was just like testing my humility. Well, the one sitting over there on the front row was the one was testing my humility. I was like, (laughs) and you know what I was just saying? Yes, honey. (laughs) 
Yes, sir. I'll do it. <laughs> There's one sitting right over there on that other front row. So I was just like, okay, in the name of Jesus, the Lord said, was like, how do you like that? See, testing that humility. We will be tested. We will be tested to see if we're a humble person. You know, because, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, flesh doesn't like for somebody to tell it what to do. Somebody else to tell it what to do. But, but, but God says to humble yourself. Amen? Okay, and this is what Jesus said. It says in uh, Matthew 18. He says, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not, not enter the kingdom of heaven. Like little children. They're so trusting, believing, and humble. So that's, that's something to, to measure yourself. It's like being like a little child. And if we're not like that, Jesus said we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So how many people in here uh, need a little more testing on their humility? Amen. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Praise the Lord. So the first point is, going, is called return to the Lord. Amen. So how many know we need to turn to the Lord? Amen. In Jeremiah 4, verse 1. The Bible says, if you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved or removed. So, God says, return to me. Put your abominations out of my sight. I mean, some people just blatantly sin. Just really, I mean, their, their conscience has been seared. And then some people, I mean, we know, we say, well, that's, that's not a big sin. But how many know sin is sin? Sin is sin. But God says, put them out of my sight. He said, and then you will not be moved. You will not be removed. Amen. And look at Isaiah 31, verse 6. The Bible says, return to him against whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted or deeply rebelled. For in that day, every man shall throw away his idols of silver and his idols of gold. Sin, which your own hands have made for yourselves. So, he says, return to him and you have rebelled against him. You know, the Bible tells us rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Amen. And stubbornness is as idolatry and iniquity. See, even you have your own opinions as your idol. You know, there used to be a minister coming to our church, uh, Mark Gorman. How many of you guys remember him? He was the one who taught us that, uh, do you know, uh, that opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone has one. Everybody has a belly button. Everybody has opinions. But how I many you know, we don't, our opinions don't mount to a hill of beans. It's what the word of God says. That's what counts. Amen. That's what counts. And so he says, throw away your idols of silver and your idols of, of gold. You say, well, I don't have a statue that I bow down to or worship, but we do have idols that have been made. 
We have all kinds of idols, you know. Some people have cars. Some people have, uh, they, they idolize hunting. They idolize fishing. They idolize uh, hobbies and, and, and other things. And there's nothing wrong with them. They're not seeing in it themselves. But the thing is, how much time do we spend with doing those things? That's what makes it an idol. That's what makes it an idol. And I remember a long time ago, I was looking up the word idol to see exactly what that means. This is what it means. It's the filthy thing that God hates. That was the definition that I found. The filthy thing that God hates. Because that filthy thing is what takes you away from God. It takes you away from Him. You know, when we spend a lot of time doing these things, a lot of time... Uh, watching things on television a lot of time. I'm not saying it's, the television. It's not. It's not wrong to do that. But how much time do you spend doing it? And how many of you know that the Holy Spirit will convict you and say, "Well, it's time to turn it off. It's time to stop." I remember one time, a long time ago, I was lying on the sofa and I was watching. Uh, it was Christian television, but still, you know, when you get past a certain time, the Holy Spirit said, "Time waster. Time waster." Turn it off. See, he'll tell you by the Spirit of God. He'll tell you that's enough. That's enough of that. Amen. Now you listen. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, how many of you know? Say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. All right. So I'm going to ask you three questions. All right. The first question is Have you left your first love? We know that scripture very well in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. This is what Jesus said. He said, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. He says, repent and do the first works, or I'll remove your lampstand. Hallelujah. So he's telling them to repent. I mean, they were a good church. They were busy. They hated evil. They persevered. They had patience. But... They left their first love. They were spending more time doing all these other things than they did spending time with God. So that made it sin. So whatever that is that you or I are doing more than we're spending time with God. Now we know you have to work. I started back to work last week. And I'm at school all day. And the thing is, but you know, you can still, there are times when you have breaks, you can still keep your mind on the Lord. You can still meditate on the word of God. Amen. You can still ask God to give you wisdom and what to do. You can still do the things that you need to do in the spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, the most common phrase that Jesus used was repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near you. I mean, John the Baptist, he came. He said, repent. Amen? Jesus came. He said, repent. And in the book of Acts, the apostles, they said, repent. So how many of you know we need to repent? And we know that the word repent, is it means the the word, the Greek word is metanoia, which means to change your mind. But I found a new word that I was told. The Hebrew word for repent is teshuva. T-S-H-U-V-A, which actually means to return. So now I have a new meaning, says, this is my new meaning, is repent 
change your mind, and return. Amen? You've got to do more than change your mind. You've got to, you've got to obey. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, that's the question. Have we put other things before our time with God? These are questions all of us. I mean, how many of you know this was convicting me as I was uh, ministering, getting these scriptures, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. Same thing. The same thing that God, he, God is a just God. And it's the, he's the same God. What he tells you to do, he tells me to do. He tells all of us to do it. Amen? All right, here's the next question. Have we wholeheartedly obeyed God? Zechariah 1 and 3. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, And I will return to you, says the Lord. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets preached, saying, Thus said the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear nor heed me, says the Lord. See, so he said, Turn when? Now. Everybody say now. Now, we don't need to be waiting we don't need to be, uh, well, I'll, you know, I'll do better next week. I'll, I'll do better. Uh, I'll make, uh, redo my schedule uh, next month. No, we need to turn now. We need to change now. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so the Lord just said, said don't be deceived. I mean, it's scriptures. It's, it's amazing how we read the Bible and we don't read the Bible. We read the Bible, but we don't see what it tells us to do. All right, I'm going to give you a list of these scripture references that has a list of all these evil things that God tells us not to do. And he tells us that if we do these things, we will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. All right, so the first li- the list is 1, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. This is if you're writing this down. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. We know all those are the the lust of the flesh. Colossians 3 5 and 6. Romans 1 29 through 32. Revelation 21 7 and 8. And in that list in Revelation 21 7 and 8, it, it the list includes the fearful and unbelieving. Being fearful. See, if God tells us to do something and we're afraid to do it, how I many you know it's sin? It's sin. And unbelieving. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I mean, we just got to wake up. We've got to wake up and see. You know, there's a scriptures that talk about people who tremble at his word. We hear the word all the time, but we don't tremble at it. We don't move out in obedience when we hear it. The Bible says when the light comes, you're supposed to walk in it. You're supposed to walk in it when it comes. Amen? And keep putting off and keep putting off and keep putting off. So... Read these scriptures and see what the Lord is telling you. Because he means what he says. Amen? 
He means what he says. In James 1 verse 21, the Bible says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So just put that disobedience and put that filthiness away and receive with humility, with meekness, the engrafted word of God. Now, how does the word get engrafted inside of you? You hear that word, you read that word, you say that word, you meditate on it. Amen. You ponder that scripture. You put it down in your heart. You know, the Bible says, my tongue is the tongue as of a ready writer. And then you say it over and over. And as you say the word of God, guess what you're doing? You're writing it in your heart. You're writing the word in your heart. Every time you say that scripture, you're writing it in your heart. And the more you say it, then that, that it's like grooves. It's written in your heart. And you'll never forget the word. Amen? Amen. It's like, then it becomes engrafted. It's engrafted inside of you. And the Bible says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart, so I will not sin against you. So that's why we have the word. It's not just the word, but it's being obedient to the word. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so in 1 Corinthians, well, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's a very important scripture. Because we hear the word all the time. We hear it all the time. I pray you hear it on your television. I pray you hear it on your radio. I know we, we, we hear the word on Sunday morning. We hear it Wednesday. But guess what? You can hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and be deceived. But you deceive yourself. I deceive myself when I don't obey it. So that's why we have to have the word. So why? For us to obey it. So we can observe to do all that's written in it. Amen? So it's so that we can do it. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 18 says, Let no one deceive himself. So don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. So hear and obey the word. All right. The third question is, have we been faithful in our giving? You know, I was listening to one minister and he was saying that really, now this is not in every congregation, but only 12% in many congregations give their tithes. And then, of course, in offerings, they're over and above the tithes. But in Malachi 3 and 6, everybody knows that. God says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So he's saying, you are, you're not consumed because I, had, I made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But look what they said. But you, but you said, in what way shall we return? See, they didn't even know that they had gone away from God. They didn't even know that they were being disobedient to God. So is that possible? Yes. It's possible for you not to know where you are and where you stand with God. Especially if you haven't been obedient. So then, when they said, in what way shall we return? Then God said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? 
Then he said, in tithes and offerings. And the point is, when you're deceived, you cannot see. You cannot see where you're going. You cannot see where you are or what you're doing. So that's why we have to get in the presence of God and let God show us ourselves. So the Holy Spirit can tell us where we are. And you know, the Bible says that the word of God is your mirror. It's your mirror. If you want to look like, look in the mirror. Look in the word of God. Then you can see what you look like. And it's not going to show you somebody else. It's going to show you, you. Amen. So look in the mirror every day. Look in it often. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Point number two is return to God's house. Well, obviously you are in God's house. So we may not be talking to you, but there are people watching online that the Lord is saying return to his house. Now, this is some, some statistics that I, I, I found. It says, since the pandemic, in-person church attendance has been in great decline. I mean, we can look around. We already see that. Fear, doubt, and unbelief have dominated much of the church world. According to the Barner research, of all adults, only 54% of boomers attend church in person. You know the boomers, who the boomers are? Let's see if you fit in this category. 57 to 75 All right, how many boomers we got in here? All right. You're a boomer. 20% of Gen X attend online and in person. Gen X, the ages 41 to 56. Raise your hand if you are a Gen X. Only I have a few of them in here. Oh, there's some over there. Okay, so only 20% of them attend online and in person. And 28% of Gen Y, those are the ones ages 25 to 40. All right, who is age 25 to 40? I see some right over there. Okay, all right, those are not good statistics. How many of you know those are not good statistics? But there has been a decline in the church. But how many of you know, that's not the church that Jesus is looking for. Hebrews 10 and 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How I many of you know the day that's approaching is the day that Jesus is going to return? Amen? The day that Jesus is going to, uh, to return. So he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So here we have people. Well, I'm just going to watch it online. But then what does Jesus want us to do? Amen? How I many know we're going to obey God rather than man? We're going to obey the word of God rather than man. Amen. So he told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we come together and we worship and we fellowship. And you know, when we come together, there is fellowship. I mean, you know, there's healing in the body. There's healing in the fellowship. Amen. There's support. 
in the body together. Amen. That's what God, Jesus is the head of the body. And he doesn't want the body to be all scattered and separated. He wants us to be together as one. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so I was just thinking, look at Luke 4, 16 says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So Jesus custom was to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Amen. And the custom of the believers after Jesus has risen from the dead is to come to church on Sunday. Amen. Praise Lord. And any other day that the church meets. But but the thing is, that was his custom. So then I, I was looking at this observation. If people walked miles and miles to go hear Jesus and they went to the synagogue, why is it that we can't leave our air-conditioned house, get in our air-conditioned cars, and come into our air-conditioned church? I mean, so where is the body? Where is the body? Amen? I mean, so what's the excuse? What's the excuse? Jesus said this. I know he said this in uh, Luke chapter 18. It says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? What is he going to find us doing? What is he going to find you doing? Is he going to find you in the church, worshiping with the other believers? Amen? Or is he going to find you looking at it online? I'm not talking about people who are invalid and elderly and can't get out. You know, I'm going to talk. We're talking about able-bodied people. Able-bodied people that let that allow the flesh, actually the world, the flesh and the devil, to dictate to them what they are to do. Amen? So, we need to pray for people that you know that are not, have not, uh, that they have no excuse I mean, because the thing is, you know, I tell them, I say, you don't have to be so close to other people. We have places that we have sectioned off and you can sit far away from some people. But the thing is, the day has to come when we decide we're going to obey the Lord. That we're going to obey God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So. Anyway, here's some more statistics I read from Christianity Today. It says, as we know, religious in-person service attendance is not only linked to having a better social support network, but also to several public health benefits, such as less depression, lower suicide rates, and less drug and uh, alcohol overdoses. Online services with other people isolated at home are unlikely to offer the same level of benefits. There are also emotional costs for people who practice religion but no longer attend services. According to the Barna survey, respondents who stopped attending church during COVID-19 were more likely to feel insecure and anxious compared to Christians who didn't stop attending services in person. God made the body to function as one. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, and the third and last point is return to prayer. Return, everybody say return to prayer. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about your at home personal devotion time with Jesus. I mean, we all have to have that. We all have to have that. But I'm talking about corporate prayer. Corporate prayer, the way they did it in the book of Acts. The, The model for the New Testament church. Where they came together and they prayed in one accord. Amen. 
and things happened. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, amen? And then there were signs and wonders and miracles. And there was great fear in the cities. People were afraid to sin. How many of y'all would like that to be here in Camden? People were afraid to sin because the church prayed. I mean, when the church prayed, Peter was in, in jail. And, you know, and, and his chains were released from him because the church prayed. Everybody say, because the church prayed. All right. And so Isaiah 56 and 6 says, Also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. That means those who obey his word. He says, even them I will bring to my holy mountain. You know, the mountain where God's presence was, they knew that that was where God was in the Old Testament. He said, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. You know, it's something joyful being in the house of prayer. Amen. He says, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. All nations. The house of prayer. And then in Matthew 21, 13, and he said to them, Jesus, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. How I many you know Jesus said it one time in the New Testament? I mean, it's important. But then he said it again in Mark 11, verse 17. Then he taught, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then here it is again in Luke chapter 19, saying to them, it is written, my house is the house of prayer. Okay, I want everybody to say this. Jesus' house is the house of prayer. Amen? He said, it is the house of prayer. I mean, if there's preaching going on, there's worship going on. Amen? But guess what? More than anything else, he wants it to be a house of prayer. A place where people pray for change, for breakthrough, for signs and wonders and miracles. Amen? That's what the house of prayer is for. I mean, so Jesus said it three times in the New Testament. And then he said, God said it in the Old Testament. So what does he want this house to be then? A house of prayer. And so then... In this house, we do have prayer. Thank the Lord. (laughs) Thank the Lord. We have prayer Saturday at 5 p.m. Saturday evening. All right. God wants you to make it a house of prayer. Prayer. Amen. Then we pray Sunday, 1.30. Okay. God wants you to make it a house of prayer. Tuesdays. We're going to, we have been having prayer lists sent out over the phone, but we're going to start by praying here for the people's needs. How many of you have ever had your name on the prayer list? Amen. People are praying. There are over 70 people praying when your name gets on that prayer list. So we need to come and pray for other people. How many of y'all know we need to pray for other people? Amen. Come and pray for other people. So you have an opportunity to come and pray Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. We'll let you know when that starts here at the church. And then every month, the second and fourth Mondays, 
We pray in the Spirit. Well, we'll begin again praying in the Spirit on the second and fourth Mondays. Okay? So you need to find yourself in one of these prayer times. Amen? At least one of these prayer times. I mean, I was praying. I remember when the the 100 years of Azusa Street, they were uh, believing God for like 12,000 people to come to prayer in one of those stadiums in Los Angeles. I was sitting right over in that corner and I was praying in the spirit. We were praying in the spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, can you believe me for 120? I said, wow. Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord, I can believe you for 120 people to come and pray. How many of you can believe God for 120 people in this congregation to come and pray? Amen? Amen? Will you be one of those 120 people that will come and pray at one of those prayer times? Will you be one of those people? See, only you can make this a house of prayer. Only you can make this a house of prayer. It's not Brother Jerry and Sister Lane's. Um, It's not them that we're relying on to make it a house of prayer. Amen. It's not the other ministers, but it's you. How many know every one of you is a servant of God? And every one of you, he's calling to make this a house of prayer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, again, I want to see your hand. I want to see how many of you are going to make this a house of prayer. All right, I see some hands. All right. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let's give yourselves a hand because you're going to be obeying God and making this a house of prayer. So, we're getting ready to pray. We're getting ready to pray. And so I'm going to, going to ask you to come to the altar. If any one of these points touched you or spoke to you, that you need to either return to the Lord because there are some issues or some things that have kept you away from God, or you may need to return to the house of the Lord. Or you need to return to prayer. If either one of those fits you, then come to the altar and we're going to pray right now. Any one of you come to, need to return to prayer, you need to return to the house of the Lord, or you need to you need to return to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is making a commitment to God. It's not making a commitment to me. It's making a commitment to God. Amen. Because this is what his word said. I mean, you know, I didn't write it. I wish I had, but I did not write it. But God is wanting his church to come back to where he called it to be. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to come? want to return to what God has asked you and me to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Still coming. Still coming. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray.
pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, your mercy endures forever. Now, God, Lord, you have shown us in the word what you want us to do. Now, Lord, we have to make a choice. We're making a decision that we're going to follow you, that we're going to obey you. We're going to obey you rather than man, God. Lord, we thank you that we're going to return to you, that we're going to put away idols. We're going to put away, Lord, time that we have been spending doing other things. Lord, we just thank you right now for convicting us of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Lord, we thank you right now, God. We know that you are the one, the only one, Holy Spirit, that can show us ourselves. You can show us where we are. You can show us where we need to be. You can show us by your spirit what you want us to do. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you. We just want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in our lives in the church. Lord, we won't change. We won't change. We won't change in our lives. We won't change in the church. We won't change in our families. We won't change in this city. We won't change, Lord, in this state. We won't change in our nation. Lord, we want revival. We want revival in our nation. We want revival, Lord, in our state. We want revival in our church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for helping us to hunger and to thirst after you. Lord, we want more. Y'all cry more, more. We want more, more of you in our lives. More power, more love, more of you in our lives. Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for bringing us to this point, God, of realization that we need you. We need you more. We need you, Lord. We need you more than we need anything else. And Lord, we can live without anything else, but we cannot live without you. We cannot live without you, Lord. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised and worshiped and adored. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And so, God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We praise your holy name. You are worthy, 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 worthy. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy, 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 worthy are you, Lord. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's let's give the Lord a hand for all He's gonna do. What He's gonna do in the future. It's a new day. It's a new day. God's going to do some new things. Because we have decided that we're going to obey Him. Amen? We're going to obey Him. And so things are going to change. Things are going to change. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the message.